freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect, the respect that we deserve. You're listening to the voice of the future. Fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. Glad to be with you today. Especially glad as we are praying for Florida and praying for the southern, eastern part of the the country as they're going to be hit bigly by Hurricane Ian. This isn't a political statement. This isn't a political battle. This isn't a political uh, storm. This is a purely act of nature that is going to hit Florida outside of human control, whether or not it hits. What is in human control is how we respond. If we pray, if we give resources where we can, if we help, if we go on the ground and do what we can, that is what matters. Not if the storm hits itself, because we can't stop that. If the federal government meets with state leaders to make sure that resources are provided for Florida, provided for Georgia, provided for the the states down here that could be hit, that is what matters. Obviously, no amount of aid can stop the the um, the hurricane from hitting. No amount of aid can do that. But what can happen, and what should happen, is the federal government providing resources to the state to help within their hurricane efforts to recover people, to recover businesses, to lock people down, to help out. That's what should be done. But what if I told you the current resident-in-chief, the current POTUS, is not talking to Governor Ron DeSantis? President Biden called three Florida mayors to Tuesday as Hurricane Ian nears Florida's western coast, but didn't call Gov- Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, with whom he has clashed on issues such as COVID-19 policies and migration. Uh, f- presidents frequently speak directly with governors during emergency events, both to demonstrate political unity and to help coordinate federal and state relief efforts. After the devastating Category 3 storm approached, Biden instead spoke with Tampa Mayor Jane Castor, St. Petersburg Mayor Ken Welch, and Clearwater Mayor Frank Hibbard. Castor and Welch are Democrats. Hibbard is a Republican. He will not meet with or speak to Governor Ron DeSantis. 
Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said at her regular press briefing that Biden held separate calls with the mayors and discussed planning and preparation for Hurricane Ian. Biden, quote, underscored his commitment to the people of Florida and made clear that impacted communities will have the full support of the federal government to augment state and local emergency response efforts. Jean-Pierre added. Administrator for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, joined Biden for his calls with the mayors and said Biden delegated her to the responsibility of liaising with DeSantis on Friday. Uh, The president directed me to contact the governor early on before we even did the declaration. My regional administrator is with the governor right now, making sure that we are understanding what the needs are and our focus is on the current life safety needs. This is a state issue. This isn't a a, a town-by-town-by-town basis. This is a state issue and possibly a federal issue, depending on how major this hurricane hits. We have a president more worried about the political beliefs of the governor of Florida than he is the people of Florida and making sure they're okay. That's where we're at, folks. We're at the point that the political beliefs of the governor is more important to the president of the United States than the people of the state of Florida. Now, I don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest uh, DeSantis fan in the world. I'm not really a big DeSantis fan at all. I mean, he, he's okay. He was terrible in Congress. He's a, he's a psyop, I believe. His whole, policy, his whole future in politics is a psyop against Trump. But he is the governor. And the job of the federal government in these instances is to provide support to governors to make sure the people are okay. The people that Biden is supposed to represent that supposedly elected him. He wasn't elected. But the people that supposedly elected him need to be safe, need to be protected. That's part of Biden's job. That's part of the federal government's job. And the fact that he is not willing to meet with someone who he disagrees with politically is disgusting, is a terrible abuse of power, and is disqualifying. If something major happens down in Florida because the federal government and the state government were not united behind making sure these people are okay, if a major uh, loss happens, if resources aren't used properly because the president refuses to call, uh, call and talk to DeSantis, that's on Biden. He has the power. He could call any phone in the world. He could call my phone right now. Join in on the program as you can by calling 57GOP-Josh7. He, he could do that right now and call any phone in the world and call Ron DeSantis. And he delegates that to a member of his administration. But he'll call a, a mayor, a Democrat mayor, and a probably a rhino Republican mayor. That's where we're standing. You've got to be kidding me. I, I, I'm speechless. I can't understand how that's a, a proper thing to do. If this was Trump, just imagine the, the whataboutism. What about if Trump did the same thing? What if Trump said, well, I'm not meeting with Governor Newsom because he's a Democrat. That didn't happen. There's photo evidence that didn't happen. And if it did, he'd be impeached for the 16th time. Why are the standards not the same? Why does Joe Biden get a free pass every time he decides that he doesn't want to meet with someone because of politics? It doesn't matter your political party. You should be united in the case of a hurricane, in the case of a natural disaster of any sort.
fires, a hurricane, earthquakes, any sort of national, uh, yeah, any sort of disaster, natural disaster that could cause major pain should make political figures and political leaders united. Elected or not. Down in eastern Kentucky, I was following a, a story of someone who was down there with their own money, with their own time, giving resources to the people down there after the flood. It was an Ohioan that was down there, and they had the backing of both major party candidates for Senate. Two people who aren't elected to the position they're running for, united behind one cause. Why can't Biden do the same? And why does Biden refuse to do the same? We're going to move on here in the Conservative Crusader. We are praying once again for the people of Hurricane Ian. We encourage you to do the same here at Red Feature Radio. I had a tremendous weekend, however, and I want to talk about that before we keep talking about negative things. I went to the Ohio Freedom Rally held by the Ohio Council, uh, Republican Council of Clubs. Turning Point USA, the Hilliard Republican Club, and a couple other organizations I believe were involved. I had the honor of hearing a couple justices of the Supreme Court speak, whether it was on stage or not. Um, Sharon Kennedy, the chief justice running for chief justice, I should say, associate justice running for chief. Associate Justice Pat Fisher. Associate Justice, I'm sorry, uh, Pat DeWine wasn't there. I got to hear Secretary of State Franklin Rose a candidate for Senator J.D. Vance spoke. He spoke and he he flew. He I didn't get a chance to talk with him. A candidate for Congress and con- current Congressman Mike Carey. Candidate for Congress Jared Majewski. We'll get to that after the break. And some more candidates. Local candidates spoke at that event as well. It was a great event. I just want to give a sh- quick shout out to the Ohio Council, a Republican Council of Clubs, um, Turning Point Action, and the Hilliard Area Republican Club. For, for having that tremendous event. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time, good food, good people. It was it was tremendous. I, I met so many great people, so many people who listen to the program, so many people who are probably tuned in right now. So thank you for being there. Thank you for meeting me. Thank you for coming up to me and speaking. And I want to talk a little bit after the break about Jeremy Majewski's speech, which was phenomenal, and who was on stage with Jeremy Majewski during his speech. After the break... When we return, GOPjosh.com. This is The Conservative Crusader. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is The Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our sponsor, Anchor. For that last little segment, anchor.fm anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader. For that, if you're listening on the podcast, you heard that. If you're not, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you get the advertisement too. Uh, two two doses of advertisements, both the radio station advertisements and my own. So the Ohio Freedom Rally. I already went over a lot of it. For those of you who were not tuned in, I heard many people speak. J.D. Vance, J.R. Majewski, Mike Carey. Well, actually, I didn't hear J.R. Majewski speak, but you know, we'll, go, we'll get into that. Uh, Justice Pat Fisher of the Ohio Supreme Court, who needs to win re-election bigly. Uh, that's the most important race on the ballot, I believe, is, is the associate justices and the chief justice. Sharon Kennedy, Pat Fisher, and Pat DeWine have my complete and total endorsement, should have your endorsement on the ballot, and should have your support. All right. 
Jeremajewski, who I, I'm I'm very proud to now call a friend. Now that we are in person, you know, we, we met in person. I, I'd like to call him a friend. I had the pleasure of meeting him and speaking with him before and after the event. Or I should say during and after. And during his speech, which I wish I had the clip on hand. I think I do, actually. I'll look for that. I had the honor of going on stage with him during his speech. That was the biggest pleasure and honor of my lifetime. So far, at least, you know. (laughs) Long life to live, but... Being called on stage in person by the man that the left is attacking so relentlessly. So, when we'll get into that later, but so strongly, so relentlessly. The fact that he called me on stage was an honor. The fact that he considered me a big enough person and a, a, most, a more prominent enough person in media or in campaigns or in Republican politics to go on stage with him. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to speak, of course. But just to go on stage with him was such an honor. I want to get to that. I want to find that clip right now. I'm speaking. I'm kind of delaying because I want to play this clip. I know it's in here somewhere. I have it on hand. Uh, Play clip, uh, this clip right here. If you're in the audience and you've worked on my campaign, if you've helped me, if you've volunteered, come up on stage and stand with me. You deserve some credit. Come up there. Melissa, you can film if you'd like. Josh, GOP Josh, get up here. Martha, come on, come on with, come on, get up here. And there it was. And, and the speech was phenomenal. I'll link it down below in the show notes below. Uh, it'll say Jeremy Juski. It'll be highlighted, and you'll be able to click on that for the podcast listeners. Uh, Hayden Ferguson had it posted. I was there, um, hung out with him during the event. If you don't know Hayden, you will pretty soon. He's a pretty phenomenal guy. And uh, we disagree on some candidates, we disagree on some things, but he he's he's right along us in the fight. I mean, he's he's going to do the fight. <laughs> he's in the fight. And um, yeah, I just wanted to thank Jared for bringing me on stage. That was such an honor. And yeah, um, I don't have much more to say about that. But but thank you for being there. It was a phenomenal event. It was it was great. I, I, I had so much fun. I hope they do another one in like a week. I, I mean, <laughs> I know that's not possible, but it was so fun. Met so many great candidates, took so many great photos and videos. Thank you. Big, bigly thank you. <laughs> We're going to move on. It was great. All right. I kind of hinted at it before, but I want to talk about the Ohio Supreme Court races. They are so incredibly important for the future of this country, for even determining the future at all, is dependent upon the court. It doesn't matter if the governorship is Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if the state legislature is Republican or Democrat. That doesn't matter in Ohio if the Supreme Court is liberal. We have a liberal majority right now, technically. I mean, technically not. We have a Republican chief justice, but I don't consider Maureen O'Connor a Republican. She's never done anything Republican in her career. She always sides with with the Democrats. She's the chief justice, and she is out of there. She is age-limited out. So I am wholeheartedly endorsing Sharon Kennedy for the Supreme Court chief justice position. She's running against radical leftist Jennifer Bruner, who legislates from the bench every single time 
Sharon Kennedy will uphold the law, uphold the Constitution of Ohio and the United States in her decisions. And she is a great, great justice. I'm, uh, she's not really a friend, I want to say, but she's, she's a great candidate. I met her quite a few times. Uh, in the other races, there is two appellate court judges, Democrat Marilyn Zegas, Zayas and Terry Jamison are trying to unseat Pat DeWine and Pat Fisher, respectively, two Cincinnati area Republicans, and they both need our support. Now, I'm not going to endorse Mike DeWine. I'm not, never going to endorse Mike DeWine. And I promise never to endorse a DeWine. But Pat DeWine, Pat DeWine is the guy we need. He's the only person who can take down the radical leftist that's running against him. And he's the only one that can keep the court a Republican majority. We have to have Pat DeWine. We have to have Pat Fisher. I had an honor of meeting him as well. He is a great justice. He always upholds the law just like Pat DeWine does. And they need to be on the court. If you think that, oh, well, we're not going to vote for DeWine because it is, his name's Pat DeWine. No. No, you have to have, you, you, you can't say you're a conservative and be okay with a Democrat majority on the Supreme Court of Ohio because it doesn't matter at that point if you like DeWine, if you like uh, Robert Cuff or, or the Speaker of the House or the Senate leader. That doesn't matter at that point because the overrides that will happen by the Supreme Court well, we won't be able to keep track of them. Every law the Republican majority passes and signs into law will be struck down. Think about that for a moment. So, so we need to support them. Like I said, I'm going to say them again. Sharon Kennedy for Republicans, uh, for uh, Chief Justice, Associate Justice Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine. Usually I would save that for the Ohio segment, but it's too crucial to wait. And I wanted to get that over with before the election just before it slips my mind, the election is 43 days away at this point. All right, we've got to talk about Jeremy Juski. Since my last podcast, which I recorded at like 11 in the morning, Jeremy Juski has been destroyed by the left. And I'm not saying destroyed as he resigned. I'm saying destroyed as they've done everything they can, pulled out every stop, pulled out every fake, piece of fake news they can to take this man down. I said at the time, and I will own up to it, I said that this isn't going to go anywhere. I said this isn't going to be a big thing. Boy, was I wrong. And I'll admit what I'm wrong. I'll be honest with you guys. I want to play his entire clip, his entire um, response that um, you probably saw my Twitter page, GOPJosh20. I want to play his entire response because I believe he is not being fairly represented in the media. He's not being fairly represented by commentary channels on either side of the aisle. He's just being turned into a political prop. He's being turned into, well, he's a fake veteran, so he can't have our support. That's not true. Neither of those are true. Nothing that I said is true outside of that uh, about Jair. He's a great man. He is a phenomenal patriot. A, a, a veteran that served this country honorably. And I want to play his video right now. The entire one minute and 57 second clip I posted on Twitter. I want to play it now. Past 12 to 16 hours, I received multiple death threats. So has my wife, and so have many members of my team. All because Marcy Captor and the liberal media are scared that I'm going to win on November 8th. They are scared 
that Marcy's 40 years of Democratic demise in the 9th District of Ohio are going to come to an end. You know, I serve my country, our country, proudly. Multiple bases in the Middle East. Multiple bases in Afghanistan. My team and I provided logistics support for fighters on the front line. You know, I never had to, uh, I never believed that I would have to defend my military service. But here I am. This is what politics have come to. The Democrats are so bloodthirsty to retain their power that they're willing to attack me, a Democrat. A guy who spends a lot of time supporting veterans. In today's America, it's a crime to love your country. It's a crime. It's a crime to support President Trump. I'm not going to sit on my hands anymore. I'm not going to be quiet about this. This is a shame. Marcy Captor, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's all I have to say. I'm going to continue to fight. This country needs fighters. And I'm one of them. And this district elected me to fight for them. And I'm going to do that. Thank all of you. God bless you. Listen to the signal and not the noise. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Biden demands that gas stations slash prices at the pump. So if you haven't been paying attention, gas prices have gone up bigly across the nation. 40 cents here, 30 cents there, a dollar here over the past few days. And now they fell for a while. Biden decided to drain our oil reserves and has kind of... What am I going to say? It just kind of just done everything they can to lower the gas prices. And it worked for a while. And I'll admit it did work for a while. But draining our energy reserves, draining our reserves in the bank, so to speak, is not sustainable. It's not a way that we can fully and honestly go about lowering energy costs. So Biden has a new strategy. His first strategy was getting rid of everything we had in the bank. His new strategy is... Force them to lower the prices, folks. Let's see here. We haven't seen the lower prices reflected at the pump, though. Oil and gas companies are still making record profits, billions of dollars in profits, the president said Monday. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, bring down the prices at the pump to you're charging at the pump to reflect the costs you pay. Biden's comments were posted by the White House online, were reported by The Insider. Do it, do it now, not a month from now, do it now. And it's going to save people a lot of money. So I don't know if Biden knows that much about gas or anything, to be honest. Since gas station owners work on small small margins, let's see, this is a quote from Bob Billbrook. He is a CEO of business strategy firm Cap, I cannot even try to pronounce that name. He told the Post that Biden was way off base. 
He said margins are white, razor strand and uh, thin in these operations, and depending on their relationship in the buying ecosystem, they may be buying from a bulk fueler or directly from the producer. We are taking very little difference in prices. Since gas station owners work on small margins, they are under constant competitive pressure from the station next door to keep their prices competitive. You have less drilling going on and less oil and gas being refined. Prices go up. It's basic economics. So at this point, there, there is no sort of strategy to lower prices. And I don't think Biden knows much about this because I know from just understanding how things work is that gas is expensive for stations to own it and for people to buy it. And gas in America is especially expensive because we have to import it. Gas stations are not making billions of dollars in profits based on gas alone. Sometimes in states that it's legal, they will sell their gas at a loss to try to bring people in the door to buy their snacks and their Doritos and their Cokes and their gum and their lottery tickets, whatever they want to go in there and buy. They will sell their gas at a loss to try to bring people in the door and actually make profit because gas is such a razor razor thin, like the, the owner of the store said. Razor thin. So I don't know how Biden plans on lowering the gas prices, but I know it's not going to work. This is going to be temporary suffering. I'll, I'll tell Americans that right now. Most of the gas prices are reflected based on what not they're paying now, but what they'll pay in the future and what Americans are willing to pay to be prepared. As people see gas prices raising every day, they're more likely to fill up faster. They're more likely to say, well, I'm going to get gas before it raises as I am. And that's how I am. So they're going to buy gas is going to raise. People are going to stop buying gas is going to lower supply and demand. I don't think Biden understands that. I wish he did. I don't think he does. So that's where we're at right now. Biden telling gas stations to slash the prices at the pump isn't going to lower anything. It makes yourself look like a fool. But he's pretty good at that. All right, let, let's talk about Liz Cheney. Do we have to? Do we have to? My producer's saying yes. All right. Liz Cheney says that if Trump wins the 2024 GOP presidential nomination, she, quote, won't be a Republican. Couldn't we be so lucky? Is there a lo- is there a video here? Of course not in the insider. Here it is, actually. Yep, this is a 18-second clip from the Texas Tribune. I'm not even sure what that is, but let's, re- let's listen to the clip. So I'm going to ask you, will you remain a Republican, regardless of what happens in the next election? Uh, I'm going to make sure Donald Trump, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he's not the nominee, and if he is the nominee, I won't be a Republican. Okay. Thank you. So she has gone from daughter of the most prominent Republican in the nation, Dick Cheney, or second most prominent, and from one of the most popular and, and leading members of the House in two years. Not even two years, about a year and seven months. She has gone from the most popular member of the House, third, third highest command, a promising political future, and a prominent position on any news channel she wants to go to, if she was to retire, to the biggest joke in the party, to the biggest joke of a congresswoman, to the person who has yet to do anything for the state of Wyoming in Congress in the past two years at least, 
and is now saying that she won't even stand with her party if Trump isn't the nominee. Now, I don't stand with our party in, in DeWine's case, in Mike DeWine's case in Ohio. That's about it. That's about the only time I'll say I'm not standing with the party. But for federal races, when it comes to, um, yeah, let's say when it comes to like senator or rep- sorry, I'm I, I'm thinking and I'm talking and I'm thinking about something else and I'm talking and it's just not working out very well for me. When it comes to senator for representative for even statewide races like um, like state senate and state house races, usually I'll support the Republican nominee. For president of the United States of America, if I was a prominent Republican like Liz Cheney claims to be, and a guy I don't like but is more with me on the issues than the Democrat wins the nomination, I'm going to back that guy. I'm going to back Donald J. Trump. If Liz Cheney was the one the nomination, I would probably back Liz Cheney. If she was the one the nomination, which wouldn't happen, she can't win Miami, she's not going to win the world. But she says she won't be a Republican. Uh, A second-generation Republican leader has historically voted conservatively following the political legacy of her father, Dick Cheney, who served as vice president under Republican President George H.W. Bush. So she is not pro-Trump. She's not pro-America at that point, to be honest. And she is even fueling talk of an independent bid. Um. While Cheney lost her House primary to the former president's endorsed candidate last month, her break with the MAGA wing of the GOP has made her the leader of the anti-Trump movement among Republicans and beyond. It's unclear whether Cheney will run in 2024 at all, whether she would run as an independent if she mounted a bid, or what impact an independent bid would ha- could have on what's shaping up to be another Trump-focused presidential election. But observers say she'll continue to be an important figure on the national stage no matter what. Do we have the laugh button? Yes, we do. Chatter about a possible Cheney presidential bid began almost the minute she lost her House primary. Okay. She lost her House primary by 30 points, but let, let, let's prop her up for president. Um, gave a speech that was once a concession and a vow to keep fighting. Her comments over the weekend are the latest to draw attention from political observers, all of whom are, are eager to see how Cheney responds to a likely Trump presidential run in 2024. If you are Liz Cheney at this point, how do you see yourself in the White House at any point? Not even to to scrub the floors. Do they seriously think that she has any sort of chance? She's not going to win. She has no possible, possible chance. That'd be like me behind this microphone on the Red Feature Radio Network saying, I'm going to run for Prime Minister of England. I wouldn't even get on the ballot. I'm not qualified, and neither is she to run for president. She's not going to win. If she runs as an independent, she would just ensure democratic demise of our country for four more years because it's too razor thin. The country doesn't matter to Liz Cheney. The party doesn't matter to Liz Cheney. Democracy doesn't matter to Liz Cheney. All that matters to Liz Cheney is her personal pockets and her personal politics. Nothing else. She's on the bankroll, on the Ukraine bankroll, on the globalist, neocon, world order bankroll. Nothing else matters but her income and her money and her power. Or her even chance at power, her taste of power, her her face on TV, her face on the air. That's all that matters to her is 
is herself. And I hope that when she loses her her uh, her um her presidential primary bigly and she loses her independent run bigly, I hope she goes off into the Wyoming sunset forever and just leaves. Because American politics are, are frankly better without her. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Final segment of the program. Brought to you by the Red Future Radio Network. Brought to you by my Patreon. Patreon.com slash GOP Josh. Patreon.com slash GOP Josh. We have our first supporter on Patreon. Our first financial um, supporter of the program. Gen Z Patriot on YouTube, on Twitter as Gen Z underscore Patriot 45 is our first Patreon subscriber. $3 a month supporter. Thank you for that. If you want to join them, patreon.com slash GOP Josh is the best way to support the program, a best way to support this show, support this network, support us as a a, a group of people, and the best way to support the future of conservative talk radio. Patreon.com slash JP Josh. Patreon.com slash JP Josh is that way. Uh, Final segment of the show brought to you by our Patreon supporters. So Representative Thomas Massey, who's a friend, I'd like to say a friend. He's a mutual on Twitter. We've interacted a little bit. So he's a friend, okay? 40% of U.S. debt accrued since U.S. founding done under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, This was actually a clip from the Just the News podcast. The United States wretched $13 trillion in debt. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is responsible for over 40% of all the debt that has been accumulated since the beginning of the country. According to Thomas Massey, and I believe it. And if you you see that number, you see, oh, well, that's fine. I'm not going to be alive in 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 1,000 years, and we have to pay this off. Well, that's fine by me. Think of your kids or your grandkids. Your great grandkids, your family. When they have to, to, when the debt comes due, as it will, and we have no way to pay it off, no way to support it. Think of yourself. Just think of it as a, as a family debt. As you take out a, a sixth mortgage on your home, never pay off the first five, and you have to pay them all off all of a sudden. Could you or your family do that? Now, what if that was? on a massive a thousand times scale uh, as the U.S. debt is. Think of that as you sit at home and not vote these midterms. Make sure you're registered to vote. Whatever state you're in, go to the Secretary of State's website, probably sos.yourstate.gov. Um, for Ohio, sos.ohio.gov, register to vote. Make sure you're registered and ready to vote. Whether your state votes entirely by mail, whether your state votes in person only, whether your state is entirely in person, like I said, if they have in-person voting hours, uh, mail-in voting hours, however you vote, vote. Our country, our future, our economy, our families, our faith, our rights as Americans, our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, every amendment to the Constitution, every constitutional peace period 
is at risk. If the same establishment party, the same Democrat party, the same demonic party stays in power, we will not have a country anymore. Another thing, and, and one more story, or the, actually two more stories to, for the program, but they're going to be quick. There is pressure on Republicans to impeach Joe Biden if they win the House, as there should be. Representative Nancy Mace, the neocon liberal who should have lost her election in the first place, said Republicans will face pressure to impeach President Biden if they take the House majority in the midterms. I believe there's a lot of pressure on Republicans to have that vote, to put that legislation forward and to have that vote. Uh, Mace said of an impeachment vote when asked by NBC's Meet the Press moderator Chuck Todd, I think that's something that folks are considering. Mace declined to say how she would vote on a potential Biden impeachment, but noted that she did not vote to impeach former President Trump in 2021 because, quote, due process was stripped away. I want to do the right thing for the long term because this isn't just about today, tomorrow, this year's election. This is about the future of democracy. This is about protecting our Constitution. Ha ha ha. If I'm being honest at this point, every single day, Republicans should introduce articles of impeachment every single day and debate it on the floor. Go on C-SPAN. Go on the floor, house, uh, house floor. And whatever you do, just, just hammer down. Politics, politics, politics. And, and just impeach Joe Biden and propose it every single day until it's done. Get it done. Have that vote. Have that statement. When you destroy the Constitution, when you destroy people who agree with you or disagree with you politically because they disagree with you politically, when you put the lives of people at risk because they disagree with you politically, that is when we fight back. They stole our election from us. They stole our president from us. They stole our presidency in our country by us or from us. That's when we fight back. Impeach him every single day. Propose it every single day. We have 435 Republicans that can do it at least over a year with a new Republican or, or 435 representatives. We can do it. It's about time and it needs done. So let, let's move forward to our last story of the day about the House Freedom Caucus, the, the only caucus in the House worth following from Republicans. As the pro-Trump House Freedom Caucus plots how to exert its influence on next year's likely GOP majority, its members are poised to holster a potent, uh, potent political weapon, challenging Kevin McCarthy. Uh, currently, he is uncontested for speaker. His biggest political threat, aside from a November collapse that leaves him with a threadbare majority, is a Freedom Caucus-backed rival. Interviews with a dozen more, uh, more than a dozen members of the conservative group indicate they're not moving to coalesce against the GOP leader as they have done in the past. In short... The Freedom Caucus that blocked McCarthy's pass at the gavel seven years ago has evolved into a block that's willing to use its leverage to secure procedural demand or procedural demand, but not blow the race for speaker. I hope we're not going to mount a challenge. This is the most organized we've ever been, so I will be changing. That's what a House Freedom Caucus member Randy Weber said in an interview. I disagree. We can be united. Until November 9th. After the elections are over, after the counting is done, then we attack. We take down the, the, the leadership in the party who has done nothing but harm to our party, done nothing to harm but our values, to our values, and take them 
down. They're just as guilty as Biden. Mitch McConnell is just as bad as Bre- as Joe Biden. And Kevin McCarthy needs to go too. I don't know who should be speaker. Andy Biggs is a good choice. Paul Gosar, ideally. Marjorie Taylor Greene would be a great speaker for the country. I don't know who it will be. I don't know if it will be me. All right, not, <laughs> not me. I don't know if it'll be anyone major. I mean, I, I'll take the speakership. I mean, you can appoint anyone, so I'll take it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I believe I speak for America when I host this program, and I talk about what actually truly values to America and what Americans truly believe and truly fight for. But whoever is speaker, when the day is done, I will vote. Who, I will support anyone but Kevin McCarthy, and I will go publicly on the air opposing everyone but McCarthy or supporting everyone but McCarthy. He shouldn't be speaker. But that's beyond my control. As we wrap up this program today, thank you for listening. Say a prayer once again for the people of Florida, for the people of southern, uh, eastern United States. As they are battling Hurricane Ian, making sure it doesn't leave too much of a tragedy. And we will be back Monday, or sorry, Thursday. I'm way out of it. Thursday with a brand new episode of the Conservative Crusader at GOPjosh.com, RedFutureRadio.com, your radio dial, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, my friends, my name is GOP Josh. Thank you for listening. I truly mean that. And stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 